1: As we find the headline on the terminal GOP hardliners stall military funding raising shutdown risk. And we add the voice now of Michael McCall, uh, the congressman from Texas who chairs the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman, it's great to have you with us on Bloomberg. Thanks for coming back. And now that we're getting back into the swing of things here in Washington, indeed, we'd like to ask you about a few issues. But with regard to this latest development here, did that make a government shutdown more likely?
2: Well, as I understand, it, the rule has been postponed. I think they're working out uh, details with the defense appropriations bill, so I would not try to read too much into that. I, I'm still hopeful that we will have, uh, you know, a rule vote this evening uh, and move forward with the defense appropriations bill, you know, possibly uh, as early as tomorrow. Um, so I don't see that shutdown as imminent as maybe you're indicating. I, I you know, frankly, I'm not a big fan of shutdowns. Uh, I've never mm-hmm. seen a shutdown work very well, especially for my party. Um, Republicans always uh, tend to lose when the government shut down, so I think the American people want us to to govern and they want us to to get things done. I think the speaker is trying to do that, and it's as you noted, very difficult under the circumstances. But you know, he's always been underestimated every time, and he seems to be able to pull you know a rabbit out of a hat, you know, uh, in prior uh, legislation that we've had. So I, I still remain optimistic,
3: Congressman. What we're talking about here is that. Hardline House Republicans didn't even vote to allow defense spending to be debated. This is in the House. In the Senate, we still have Senator Tommy Tuberville holding up more than 300 military nominations. What do you say to American people who look at both the House and the Senate and say the Republican Party is potentially hurting the U.S. preparedness, military preparedness, and it can cause national security concerns?
2: I have I share those concerns and I voice those on uh, CNN, State of the Union on Sunday, but I you know I think it's important to put it into context the Biden administration, for the first time used uh, taxpayer dollars to fund uh, this uh, abortions within the military that's never been done, on the National Defense Authorization. Uh, in fact, we cured that in the House uh, with our NDAA bill that will be conferenced with the Senate. So my whole point was that. I don't think one senator blocking all these nominations uh, is really a, the more productive route. I think the best route is to deal with this in the conference committee that we will have House and Senate to ensure that taxpayer dollars not being used for abortions in the military. Um, I think holding up these nominations. I've talked to a lot of you know brass uh, at the Pentagon, and um, what I just worry about is that it 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 will impact our national security. Um, there's a debate about that, but I don't see how you can have all these openings unfilled without having some impact on the ability of the military to be ready. We were actually joined uh, around this time yesterday
1: by Senator Tommy Tuberville himself. He made the case to us that this does not impact readiness, that the, the rank and file will be just fine. And we have too many generals anyway, you've, you've called this paralyzing to the military congressman. What message does it send
2: to China? Well, if we don't have top key positions in the Pentagon filled, I think it's a sign of weakness. I, I think it projects weakness, and that's always very dangerous. It inv- invites aggression. Um, I know that uh, Schumer does have the ability to put these nominees forward, and, and I would hope they can come to a consensus over there. Uh, but just holding up uh, these nominations ad infinitum, um, I think is, is dangerous. I, 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 it's well-intentioned. I think he and I both agree that being Senator Tuberville and I both agree that taxpayer dollars should not be used for abortions in the military. We fixed that in the House. We're going to conference with the Senate. And I feel very confident that that will be uh, uh, not be a part of the final package. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all about the method and, and and how you want to achieve the same goal. And I think holding up these nominees in key positions at the uh, Pentagon does not send a very good message
3: when you look at when you look at China we have to ask you what you make of Huawei coming out with this phone that looks like they use technology the exact technology that their are export controls on China and Chinese companies uh, CSMIC and also Huawei both on the um, entities list to make sure that China actually doesn't have these capabilities yet a phone arrives. Do you think the export controls that are on China right now are working?
2: they're not being enforced. Um, SMIC has American component parts. Uh, This seven nanometer chip is a very advanced chip and it's now in Huawei's 5G smartphone. This is very disturbing and a major violation of our export control laws. Uh, I sent a letter today to Secretary Raimondo um, and I have jurisdiction over BIS, which is a Bureau of Industry and Security in charge of export control uh, because this was not enforced. And now they've got this very advanced technology, 7-nanometer chip. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the hypersonic program, that was built on the backbone of American technology. When it comes to the 7-nanometer chip, and you look at things like AI and the future of warfare, which will involve this kind of uh, semiconductor chip, that is, is what is most disturbing to me is that now China, they're, they're very good. They don't really invent things. They, they're very good at stealing our technology. And this is another good example. And you know the timing, Amory. this was announced the day that Secretary Armando left Beijing with a real slap in the face uh, that, hey, now we got your technology. Um, we got your most advanced semiconductor chip. Uh, we got to stop doing this. We got to stop selling to China our most advanced technology that they then turn that we'll turn and use against us if, God forbid, we have a conflict in the Pacific.
1: Well, so the Congressman, is your committee uh, working up sanctions on SMIC, or should we be talking about a total severing, a total cutoff of our technological relationship with China at this point?
2: You know, we can't cut uh, all uh, trade, but I would argue that with respect to s- certain sectors, you know, like the advanced semiconductor chips, like AI, like quantum computing, Uh, This is something I've talked to the Commerce Department about, um, making it more uh, rather than uh, company-specific, because China will change the name of the companies. But if you make it sector-specific, to me, that's a better way to handle this. That way, all exports regarding AI cannot be uh, exported to China, all exports regarding quantum and advanced semiconductor chips. And that way, you deal with it in a very... uh, I think a, a bl- you know, broader blanket that I think would uh, apply. We're going to have commerce with China. They're a big market for the United States, and we buy, buy a lot from them. But when it comes to national security supply chain, like semiconductors, like critical minerals, rare earth minerals, and medical, uh, we need to start pulling that supply chain out. The reason I introduced the Chips for America Act and got it passed was Secretary Pompeo came to me and said, we got to pull supply chain out of Taiwan because uh, TSMC controls 90% of the advanced semiconductor manufacturing for the world. Mm-hmm. So imagine a scenario where China invades Taiwan with a blockade and cutting the sea cable, then they either own or break 90% of the world's advanced semiconductor chip manufacturing.
3: When you look at what happened this week, we saw Kim Jong-un make his way to Russia to meet with President Putin. The individual who could probably put the pressure on both those two leaders, those dictators, would be Xi Jinping. Do you think it's wise the administration still seeks a meeting with Xi Jinping to try to make sure at least they're putting pressure on Beijing to then put more of a pressure on both its neighbors in Russia and in North Korea?
2: Well, you know, I think it's always, it's always good to... Uh, have meetings and have conversations, but you don't concede certain things I think, you know, we saw like a um, certain export controls were pulled back prior to these meetings. You don't you don't make concessions before just to have a meeting in and of itself. Uh, you have to negotiate out of strength and leverage, not out of weakness. And that's my uh, concern about, you know, the meetings that took place. I don't think China's gonna ever uh, talk uh, Kim Jong-un down because you know, Chairman Xi is a, a direct ally of Putin. I mean, they made this unholy alliance at the Beijing Olympics uh, just uh, weeks before the invasion uh, into Ukraine. And the idea that they're not joined at the hip is, is absolutely false. I mean, this is a alliance of China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. North Korea is going to start putting their stuff in. Iran's already putting their drones into uh, Ukraine. We're even seeing, you know, mercenaries from Cuba, you know, going into Russia and into the Ukraine fight. So this is really playing out very dramatically between these dictators and the rest of the free world. uh, And that's really what's at stake right now.
1: These are dangerous times, and we're glad to have you with us, Mr. Chairman, Michael McCall. Thanks, Joe. Congressman from Texas who chairs the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Don't be a stranger. We'd like to stay in touch with you on these issues.